Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Active Church at Home. My name is Joe. I'm part of the team here, and I'm glad you're jumping on today. Hey, before we begin, we're going to do a little exercise together, and I'm talking about some real exercise now. I'm just playing right now. But I got some, something that I want to do right now that's going to help me understand who is watching today. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to put up a picture, and I need you to tell me what's inside the container. Sounds easy, right? All right, put up that first, first picture. All right, what do you think? Put it in the comment section. Maybe put it in your mind, what is it? If you said cookies, maybe? It could be cookies, we don't know. See, in my household, what was inside that cookie container was actually a sewing needle kit, it was buttons, it could be leftovers from the year before of like that gift wrapping paper that you didn't want to necessarily throw away because you weren't sure if you were gonna use it in the future. How about this second picture, put it up. Now think about it. Think really hard, what is inside this container? It says on the front of it, what does it say? It says country crock. What's inside of this? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking margarine. You see, inside my house, when I was growing up, this could have been leftovers. If I didn't wanna uh, uh, clean the dishes, this could have been a bowl of cereal. You see, what's inside this container could have been virtually anything for me. I could have opened up the fridge and been excited because I didn't put some butter on my toast and it could have been some beans, it could have been enchiladas, it could have been salsa for all I knew. And one more picture, put that up. Right? Chocolate. Easy peasy. It sees candy. We really don't know what's inside of these different kind of candies. That's why it's so frustrating. Isn't it so frustrating? 80% of the sees candies are inedible, right? You take a bite into it and you put it back because you're not really sure what's inside of it. The point I'm trying to make is what's on the outside doesn't always reflect what's on the inside. We've been going through the series called The Genius of Jesus, and as we've walked through the series, we've been talking about some of Jesus' most iconic phrases, as we've been walking through the most iconic sermon he's ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. And what we've found is that, genius, that Jesus is genius. He's genius even if you're just intrigued with who he is today. The words he shares with us are genius if you call him Lord and Savior because the words he shares about us, about the world, about what we can expect from each other and what we should expect from each other are meant to shape reality and they have shaped reality. Jesus' words are genius. And over the past few weeks, we've been walking through this iconic sermon and today I just wanna, I wanna read up to where we're at today. So would you join me, Matthew chapter five, as we read through Jesus' sermon. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And here we're going to lay, we're going to talk about, this is our scripture today. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You see, I hear this phrase of Jesus, and I think about, like, is Jesus really genius? Because that phrase 
doesn't always qualify me. Actually, when I hear that phrase, I, I kind of get frustrated with Jesus because the phrase just seems so binary, like either you are pure in heart or you aren't pure in heart. And so as I was preparing this message today, everything inside me wanted just to go, pure in heart, all right, great, let's do this. James, come on, let's, let's have the worship team sing because I, I don't feel the most qualified to be speaking about pure in heart. So I just kind of want to wrap up service today, but I also know that those who are listening to Jesus share these words for the very first time probably felt the same way. They probably too had this angst when they heard the phrase pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart because they thought to themselves, this isn't me. Or maybe on the other end of the spectrum, they heard this phrase and they thought, well, this is all about me. You see, there's two groups of people who were listening to Jesus on this day as he shared this sermon, both on extreme ends of the thinking spectrum. See, the first group of people were the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, they love the religious law. They love the religious law so much that they went and added law. See, there were 613 Jewish laws that the Jewish people would try to keep to the best of their ability because with these laws, they knew that God was with them and that God saw them and God loved them. And so they would follow these laws because they loved God and they wanted to prove to God how much they loved him. And so these Pharisees, they were experts at following these laws. They were so good at these laws. They were kind of like that kid in class that at the end of the day when the teacher would be like, hey, see you guys later, he would raise his hand and be like, what about the homework, teacher? Because they were the people who had it all together. They knew the rules of the classroom. They knew the ins and outs of the law. Like I said, they even made laws because they wanted to prove how much they knew about laws. And so when they heard Jesus say, blessed are the pure, I imagine they probably got so excited. Like he's, he's talking about us. We're the pure of all the people who are present today. We're the most pure. We have it all together. Our hands are clean. Our thoughts are clean for God, apparently, right? Everything about us is so pure because we've followed all the laws. We've talked about the laws. We know the ins and outs of the laws. We've stayed away from the things that God wanted us to stay away from. We haven't looked at those things. We haven't touched those things. We have built more things just to prove how pure we are. Probably chest bumping, high five, and they're celebrating. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say blessed are the pure. He says blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. And now see, they would have been right on point if Jesus would have said, blessed are the pure in hands. But he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Because there's a difference between being pure in hands and being pure in heart. Jesus says, you are going to know God and see God and be close to God and be happy with the way God is wiring your life. And you're going to see what God is doing in your life when you're pure in heart, not just pure in hands. But many of us, what we'll do is we'll hear this phrase, pure in heart, and we think it means pure in hands. Even though it says pure in heart, we think it means pure in hands. We'll hear this and be like, okay, now we got to prove that we're pure in hands. Now we got to prove we're pure in heart by being pure in hands. Some of us, let's be, let's be real, like we started coming to church because we felt like we had to prove to God 
that we were trying to do the work. We're trying to put in enough time and energy. So we think to ourselves, got to be pure in heart, got to be pure in heart, got to do the right things, got to show God I'm worthy. There are entire movements based around this idea of proving how pure our hands could be in order to show how pure our heart is. I think about friends who grew up in the church and they weren't allowed to listen to certain music or they had to dress a certain way, long skirts, couldn't wear makeup, couldn't go to dances. They would have CD burning parties, not CD burning parties like let's put the CDs on the CD or the songs on the CD, but CD burning parties like let's throw away our CDs. I have a buddy who is the biggest Indianapolis Colts fan and he was told he had to throw away all his Indianapolis Colts memorabilia because all of that worship belonged to God. And here's what I got to say to that. A lot of us would be in trouble because we got a lot of sports things that we want to keep. But to him and to the people around him, proving you were pure in hands was just as important as proving you were pure in heart. But Jesus said, we got to focus in on your heart. Blessed are the pure in hands. No, pure in heart. Heart. This all reminds me of a moment that happens in Matthew 19. In Matthew 19, Matthew, who was an ex-dirty tax collector, writes about a moment Jesus had with the guy who had it all together. He was wealthy. He was in his prime. He had it all together when it came to his religious world. He had a job that gave him power. He was the perfect kind of person for the bachelor. And he comes to Jesus with a question. And this is what happens. This is what Matthew writes down. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? What do I got to do? What's the secret sauce? What's the good thing I got to do to give what you're giving? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. And I love how Jesus responds. He redirects this guy. He's like, you're focused on the wrong thing, buddy. But even more so, Jesus responds in a way that's kind of like when you respond to a friend who's going to do what they want to do anyways. You know, they come and ask you for advice and you're like, you're going to do what you want to do anyways. So Jesus says, keep the commandments, man. 613 commandments, every Jewish person would, would know. In order to be close to God, in order to know God, you got to keep all the commandments. So he gives them what he already knows. He's like, just go keep the commandments. But this guy's not happy with that answer because there's 613. So which one do I keep? He asked, which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you ask me if that's what Jesus is going to tell me to inherit eternal life, that seems like a really good gig. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, be good to your mom and dad, love other people well. That sounds like a pretty good gig. If that's all it takes, I'm in. I'm good. I got a passing grade. Let's do this. But this guy doesn't stop there. He has more questions. And in my head, I'm like, stop while you're ahead, man. He says, all these I have kept. I've kept all these. I've checked all the boxes. My hands are so clean. End of the story, bro. You got your answer. And then he says, the young man said, what do I still lack? Why are you asking? You got your answer. Isn't that enough? And this is what Jesus said. Let's, let's hone into these words. If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. 
when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And my cynical heart says, why are you sad? You asked. You could have stopped two questions ago and you would have been just okay with loving people and not lying and not murdering. Life could have been really good, but because you kept asking, now you're sad, now you're walking away. You had to keep asking. Checking the boxes wasn't enough. No, you had to be perfect, buddy. This is what I learned. This is what becomes clear in the passage. He did it all right, obeyed all the laws, had the finances, even knew what questions to ask to a religious leader. But isn't it so true? You can do it all right and still get it all wrong. The issue here was not this man's wealth. It was his heart's health. I've seen so many people go to church, read their Bible, love God with everything they have, all their hands, show up, serve, pray on cue, decide to give it all up. Not because they lack sincerity in their actions, but because they lacked awareness of how powerful their heart is. And this is the genius of Jesus. He was so aware that we can be so consumed with looking the part that we forget the health of our heart. Now let's pause for a moment because when we talk about our heart, it could seem like such a cliche figure of speech because biologically speaking, our heart doesn't do a whole lot of deciding. But when I think about a heart, you know what I think of? I think of that, that cartoon from the 90s, Captain Planet. Do you remember that show? That was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. I loved it so much. All these kids, if you don't know, it's like G.I. Joe meets Care Bears, right? All these kids wanted to save the planet from pollution. They had a superhero named Captain Planet. He gave them all rings. And with these rings of power, they were able to go and save the planet from pollution. Sounds like a cool premise, right? So one kid opened up the box. He'll have a, a fire ring, right? And so the fire ring would shoot fire. And then another one would have a water ring, water, earth, earth would shoot out of his hands. And then we have, well, then we have air, air would shoot out of his hands. And then the last kid, you know what the last kid had? He had a ring that had a heart on it. And he had the power of, of heart. And when you compare it to fire, wind, and water, it, it kind of seems powerless. Am I right? It's like, why, why do I want the ring with a heart on it? Why do I want the heart power you know, all my friends running around, flying, shooting fire and water out of their hands. And I open up my box and I got, I got the heart power. I would be so mad and so upset. Like, can I trade with somebody? It just feels like, does our heart really matter? It seems useless. But when I use it in a metaphor, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If I say, I have a broken heart, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know that my inside world is just shattered and I feel like I can't move forward, like my existence is stunted. If I say, you wear your heart on your sleeve, you know that you are expressing who you are, that your face is matching what is inside your world, the feelings that you have, the emotions that are going on, the thoughts that are swirling on inside, you are showing that to the outside world. And if I told you to speak from your heart, you know exactly what I'm saying. I'm telling you, speak from your core of who you are. Those passions, that unfilteredness, those thoughts that you have, speak from your heart because that is the best place to speak. You know exactly what I'm talking about. When we talk about the heart, we're talking about a person's intentions, their focus, and their feelings. And to simplify it even more, your heart is your strength. 
because it is who you are, where you are going, and what will be created from you. Wars are not drafted in the battle room. They are began in the heart of an individual who does not know peace. Infidelity does not start with a bad decision. It begins in the heart of one who is desperate for notice. The greatest decisions that impact your life will begin to be formed in your heart. So we hear the story about a man with great wealth and he was walking away sad and we empathize with him because we think this is about wealth. You see, this isn't about wealth at all. This is about your heart's health. It's a warning sign. Not a warning sign about money because money ain't bad. It's a warning sign that what's in us, if we aren't aware, we can get so wrapped up in being right and still get it all wrong. I hate to say it, but you know it's true. You can have pure hands and a terrible heart. You can do it all right and still get it all wrong. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know why he says that? It's because your heart will determine what you see. We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. In other words, the perspective of your heart will shape your perspective of the world. If your heart is full of bitterness and cynicism, guess what you're gonna see in this world? Bitterness and cynicism. If your heart is so full of disbelief and you believe that the world is gonna to go to hell in a handbasket, you, whenever you look for God in the world, what you're gonna miss is God brilliantly working it out. If your heart is full of violence, you will never see a family that is full of peace. And if we see the world as we are, we have to ask, what's our heart full of? What's your heart full of? Because it's full of something, but are you aware of what it is full of? A pure heart isn't an empty heart. It's a heart that is so considerate and so aware, aware of what goes in it because of the power that comes from it. You cannot give what you do not have and you will not see what you have not first received. Pure hands are great, but a pure heart is better. And what about that second group? Talked about the Pharisees. Now let's talk about that second group of people listening to Jesus. Maybe you feel like you're in the second group and you just feel so disqualified. You hear that Jesus is talking about pure in heart. And it's not that you can't be pure in hands. It's just you just know your world. You know your insides just do not always match what's happening on the outside. You know you better than anybody else. And maybe you've even stayed away from God or church for a long time because you've seen somebody with pure hands but a terrible heart represent God and you're like, I can never live up to that. They have so much pride. I can never have that same kind of thought process. And so you've stayed away. Maybe you hear pure in heart today and you think that's impossible because you know your heart is messed up. You see, I know my heart is so messed up. And while the Pharisees are chest bumping and they're so excited because they don't get it, you're listening to this pure and hard idea and you're sitting there thinking, can we go back to that poor in spirit thing? Because that's more of where I'm at. You see, if it comes down to my hands and if Jesus is grading me on my hands, I'm going to get maybe like a 70% if he's grading on a curve. 
Like, I might be all right, but you throw my thoughts and my feelings in there, and I might as well drop the class because there is no way I can ever feel like I can, I can introduce myself, be confident before you and say, I have a pure heart. I am pure in heart because I know what's in my heart. I know the insecurity I struggle with. I know the thoughts I have when somebody frustrates me or when I see something that doesn't align with who I am or what I think. I know what I think about people in the most frustrating moments. I know the anger that I harbor from a childhood. I know the things that I've lived with my entire life. And so when I think of pure in heart and, and how I can be blessed if I'm pure in heart, I think that just doesn't mean me. That just disqualifies me. No matter how long I try, no matter how hard I try, no matter where I go, no what I do, I don't know if I can ever classify myself as pure. So I got two choices. Either I fake it and pretend to make it, or I just say, this isn't for me. This blessing, this happiness wasn't designed for someone like me. But then I remembered. A small encounter Jesus has right before he talks to this rich young man. See, right before he's talking to this rich young man and he's asking all these questions, what happens is that all these children begin to come to Jesus. And as all these children are coming to Jesus, his disciples, his followers, stop them from coming because children were the most vulnerable in that time period. Not like our time period where we take care of kids and we notice kids and we love kids. Like, no, they were the lowest of the low. And so these kids are coming to Jesus like, yo, the teacher's busy. The rabbi has things to do. So they stop the kids from coming to Jesus. And Jesus says, you're not getting it right. This is what Jesus says. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Children? No, such as these. Those who are reliant and those who are vulnerable with the Father. Reliant on his heart, his love, his care, his compassion, his mercy, and vulnerable with what's going on, vulnerable with those feelings of shame, vulnerable with those moments that we've messed up, vulnerable with those th times that we feel like our hands have just been so dirty, we can't even come to church. That's what vulnerability is, is saying, God, I, I need help. And isn't that what kids do? Dad, mom, I need help. I'm stuck, I need help. The kingdom belongs to such as these, those who come to God and say, I need help. One of my pet peeves that I'm kind of afraid to tell you because I know you use it against me often when I tell you my pet peeves is kids with Cheeto fingers. <laughs> you know those kids I'm talking about, the little kids that they got dust. Maybe, maybe it's not Cheetos, maybe it's Doritos or maybe it's Takis and their fingers are just caked in absolute crumb and grossness and you look at their fingers and you're like, just don't, just don't touch me. I love you. Just don't, I can love you from a distance. Don't, don't touch me. Don't touch my white couch. Don't touch, don't touch my house. Don't touch my pillows. Like just, just don't even look at me. I don't know how I feel about your fingers. There's just something about it that makes me go like, wash your hands, kid. Like what don't you get? Use a wipey. Like why did it take COVID for us to realize that we have to wash your hands? Like that's okay. Wash your hands, kids. Let's teach them young. Put some hands Sandy on that. Take care of those things. Give them a little Clorox, Clorox wipe. Like Cheeto fingers. You can tell. They kind of get to me. See, I love kids. Me and my wife, we're aunt and uncle uh, D and Joe to so many people. But when it comes to their Cheeto fingers, it's a whole different story. But here's what I also know. That you can be a fantastic parent and you might have a little Cheeto finger baby. 
Meaning that it's not about their hands, it's about your heart. See, you can have the kid that has the grossest hands in the world, but it's going to be your heart of parenting that shapes them and loves them and changes them and raises them and grows them. And in the same way, it's not about our hands, it's about God's heart. You see, God wants our vulnerability. He wants us to come to him and toward him with everything, with our reliance and our vulnerability. He says, bring it. You got those grubby Cheeto fingers? Bring them to me. I can take it. I can wipe them clean because it's not about our hands. It's about his heart and his heart is for us. His heart is to care for us and to love us. And I think about these things and I think about how I don't feel my heart could ever be pure enough, but maybe it's because God is already doing the purifying because he sees me as loved. He sees me as worthy. He sees me as one who is absolutely cared for, as an inheritor in the kingdom. We think about pure in heart, and we think we got to do something, but it doesn't just show up. See, being pure in heart is a process. Pure in heart people, pure-hearted people aren't made in a moment. They are made in miles of walking with God. Pure-hearted people see God because they know what God looks like. See, what's often missed in the passage that we're going through is that Jesus doesn't just throw this in there and say, blessed are the pure in heart. No, he builds to this moment. You see, he builds all the way up to this point of saying, blessed are the pure in heart. But first, he's in a sermon. He starts with poor in spirit. You see, it's like we're just catching an instant by listening to this piece, right? You see, it's a whole, it's one sermon, not many sermons, it's one sermon that Jesus speaks. It's a whole piece that goes together and builds off of each other. Like imagine somebody just hops onto the stream right now and they hear, oh, Cheeto fingers? And they think that's what my entire sermon is about. It's not about all Cheeto fingers. There's more. You got to rewind. You got to go backwards. So let's rewind. To get to pure in heart, we first got to be poor in spirit. And to help illustrate this, I have some friends that are going to help me out prove this point, right? So I'm going to go grab them right now. I grabbed some of my friends. I'm so excited for this moment. They're gonna help us out. And so this is what we're gonna be doing. We said that in order to be pure in heart, you first gotta be poor in spirit. So Jess, as being the resident person who we would consider the most pure in heart, you're gonna be the most pure in heart today, all right? Like we would agree, she is the most pure in heart, right? It's scary how pure in heart you are. And Tyler, being the newbie to the staff, we assume you are the most poor in spirit, all right? So, I'm just kidding, we love this guy. If you, have, if you didn't know, Tyler's new to our team, so give a round of applause in the comment section. Yeah, love this guy. So in order to get there, we first gotta start here. In order to get to verse eight, we gotta go back to verse three. Remember, it's a sermon. It's not a bunch of sermons. It's a whole sermon. So we're going to start with poor in spirit. All right. So be poor in spirit, Tyler. There you go. I love how you bring up, brought out your pockets, bro, and everything. Let's go get those hands a little higher, dude. You're going to hurt your back like that. No, nope, not, not as wide. There, there you go. Right. Poor in spirit. You got to pour it out. You got to consider what's in your heart. You just got to give it out to God. You got to say, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm at the end of my rope. I got nothing left to give. I'm tired. I'm exhausted, God. I don't know where else to go. I've gone to Instagram and TikTok. I've reached out to my friends. I got nothing left in me. I'm stuck in this moment. So I'm just going to pour it out to you, God, everything and anything that is in me. God, I'm going to go to you because I'm exhausted. I'm going to go to you because I don't know what to do. I'm going to be poor in spirit. I'm going to be so vulnerable and reliant on you in this morning. You're doing a great job, Tyler. Just stay there. All right. Casey, I need you to be, uh, because next Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, 
I need you to be mourning, all right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Mourn a little harder. There you go. Harder. There you go. You got a little shake going. I love it. Blessed are I, You don't have to cry, bro. You're good. <laughs> Blessed are those who mourn. Because isn't it true? We ought to mourn from loss. When we lose something, we ought to stop and really say, God, I, I can't believe this is over. I can't believe I'm going into something new. I'm stepping into a new season. And moving into a new season is hard. Change is hard. Right? We ought to mourn the things that were in our heart that shouldn't have been there. We ought to, to mourn those moments that we wish we didn't have. Mourning is actually really helpful. Pastor Lee a few weeks ago said, it's okay to have a funeral for the things that we lost because we lost something. We're not the same person and we're never going to be the same person. So we need to mourn the past, mourn the thing that we're giving up, mourn the thing that we're losing, right? Because it's so important. We often want to skip this step right here. We want to not be, I need you to shake a little bit again, right? Shake a little bit. We need, we need to mourn this moment because it allows God to do something. We often want to skip this, but God actually wants to use this step because this is what happens after he says that. He says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Mike. You're the lead pastor. I need you to comfort him, right? Good, good. You're a great lead pastor, man, right? That, that you need to be comforted by God. When we mourn, what it allows us to do is allow God to step in and say, I'm there for you. I am with you. You're not just doing life for me. You're doing life with me. And I am there in the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs and the moments where you just don't want to do life anymore. I'm there with you and I'm comforting you. I'm letting you know there's a tomorrow that's possible. There's a better story that you and I can tell together. Comforting happens when we begin to mourn because we poured it out. But then check it out. It also says, blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are the meek. See, meekness isn't weakness. It's submitting to God's goodness. And this is what I need you to do. I need you to just move your hand like that, right? All right? All right? You see what that is? That's God's submitting hand. You're saying, I'm submitting to you, God, and I'm letting you control my life. I'm letting you lead me. I'm letting you love me. I'm letting you guide me in those moments where the kids are ticking me off and we're on our way to church and I can't reach them in the back. God, I am letting your goodness be the thing that fills me up. Because once we experience God's goodness, we're never going to want to go back to that moment. God's goodness is what makes us keep moving forward. Because once we experience the goodness of God, because we've submitted to him, we hunger and thirst for righteousness. I need you to hunger. No, you know what? No, come on. It's more than that, bro. It's more. Get it out, dude. Like, out. You're a worship leader, right? Come on, like that. Right, grab. I need you to grab. You're hungering. You're hungering and thirsting for it. You just want it. Because once you experience God's goodness, there's going to be nothing else you want in your life. There's going to be nothing else you want because you've experienced how good. You can stop. You can stop reaching right now. You can stop. <laughs> There's going to be nothing else that satisfies because you know how good he is and how much he wants for you. So you're going to begin to align your heart. And see, he's not using his hands to be more pure. He's using his hands to reach for more of God. Saying, God, I, I want more of you and everything. I, I want to know more about your love and more about how I can walk with you. I want to thirst for the things that belong to you. I, I want to be more like you. You're hunger and thirsting for the things of God. And when you're hungry and thirsting, begin to eat and drink of God's goodness and God's love. It says, blessed are the merciful. Merciful. Put your hands out, Shauna. You're so merciful. There you go. Hands out. Maybe a little wider. All right, there you go. You're giving. At that point, you're, you're taking God's goodness to the point where your heart is so full that you're able to give it. You're merciful because mercy is choosing care over condemnation. It's saying, God, I'm going to be, I, I'm going to, I'm going to receive your goodness. I'm going to say thank you for your goodness. I'm just going to give that away. 
as God, I, 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 I thank you for your love. And I just want to show this world that same kind of mercy. We can't give mercy if we're empty. We only can give mercy when we're full. And you see all this. Hey, what are you guys doing? Get back to him. What are you, who said you guys can be done? Yeah, you see all these things going on, right? When you're poor in spirit, when you're mourning, when you're comforted, when you let God be your goodness and you're submitting to that goodness, when you're hungry and thirsting for righteousness and you're giving it away through mercy, what happens is your heart is pure. Heart is so pure. Oh, Jess, your heart is so pure. It's so pure. Thank you guys so much for helping me with this. I appreciate that. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's the thing I want you to know, church, is that in order to be pure in heart, we got to go through the process. And God wants to be present with you in the process. He's saying, walk with me and talk with me. Let, me. let me love you. Let me show you what it means to follow me. He's saying, don't do it alone. Your hands are great, but take these hands and give them to me and just see what I can do. And maybe for a long time, you've been staying away from church, staying away from God because you felt like you had to prove something. Let today be that reminder that you don't got to prove anything to God, but God loves you right where you are at. His heart is what matters. It's not about your Cheeto fingers. What it's about is the heart of the Father who says, come to me, be vulnerable with me. Be reliant upon me. And I got two ways for you to move forward. The first way, on Easter Sunday, April 17th, Baptism Sunday, maybe you've never given your hands to God. Maybe you've never given your heart to God. Maybe you've never given everything to God. Baptism Sunday is that day to do it. April 17th, this could be the greatest Easter you have ever had. In service, we're going to be having baptisms. We're going to be celebrating the work and love of God in a public way. And you may not feel, well, my hands are still dirty. It doesn't matter because it's the heart of the Father that wants you. And he says you're already worthy. This is not the graduation. It's the initiation. So it's time to start the journey. If you want to make that decision to be baptized, God's waiting for you. We're waiting for you here at Active Church. We want to help you take that next step. And lastly, there's something called Rooted. And if you've never heard of Rooted, Rooted is one of the best experiences we do here at Active. It's a 10-week experience where you learn more about uh, uh, your church, you learn more about your purpose, and you learn more about God. And you figure out how to take those next steps in order to be uh, where God wants you to be, in order to find that purpose that God has in your life. You walk through these stages. You consider the strongholds in your life. You learn more about prayer, and you learn more about how God has a story for you. If you're on campus today, we're having an informational meeting right after first and second service. You can find that out. Even if you're watching right now, get here to campus. And if you're not, you can message us, info at activechurches.com, and we'll love to tell you more information about Rooted. Rooted is one of the best things we do, and what's coming up so soon, I want you to be a part of it. And can I say, church, man, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because God first saw us, and he wanted us, and he knows us, and he loves us. And for anybody who needs to hear that today, will you pray with me? And let's receive God's goodness. Father God, we thank you. We know you see us. We know you love us. We know you want us. God, may we have the courage to open up our hands, be poor in spirit. May we have the courage, God, to move through the process of being and having a pure heart. Thank you for your love. Thank you for how you see us. And we can't wait to keep telling a better story with you. We all lift up in your son's holy name. And all God's people said, amen. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Yukaipa. See you next time.